Hello and welcome to Into Your Life podcast. I'm Lenka and I'm joined here by my wonderful co-host Natalie. Hi, we invite you to join our weekly conversations about finding more life in one's life. Well, what does it actually mean? We have discussions with guests about ways to live happier, healthier and more fulfilling lives, both personally and professionally. That sounds great. Let's go. We are so excited to introduce you to Deirdre, Deirdre O'Connor. She has flown in all the way from Ireland. She is in a beautiful part of Ireland and she's going to talk to us today about sleep and especially about sleep and anxiety. So Deirdre is a sleep and anxiety expert, transforming your emotional stress and overwhelm so that you can sleep better, work better, and live better. Doesn't that sound amazing? Doesn't that sound wonderful? Because who doesn't want more sleep, need more sleep, or should have more sleep, all those words that we say to ourselves. So welcome, Deirdre, and thank you for flying in via zoom all the way from ireland and talking or sharing with us information about sleep and sleep and anxiety so please introduce yourself and just explain a little bit more about what it is that you do well first of all thank you so much for inviting me here and you know i have to say sleep is so important to me and it's why i put a lot of um emphasis on not how we go to sleep but why we go to sleep and what sleep can can give us really and I'm working a lot I've been working for the last 30 years in the health and well-being industry and uh, it must be about eight nine years ago now I had my own problems with sleep which came out of the blue um well when I say they came out of the blue they came um in an unexpected way because I thought I, I was, I never had a problem sleeping. And uh, then of course, uh, my hormones kicked off. So I was in the perimenopause. I was also preparing to get married. We were moving house. I had to get a new job. And sadly at that time also, my father was in hospital um, in in his fine, in his own final year. So, um, you know, I, I dropped into working with sleep um, out of my own need to to find sleep that, um, yeah, that, that, that felt deep and satisfying because I was so used to that. So not having it, it was actually such a shock to my system. And because I've been working in the, the wellness industry for so long, it was like this, this can't possibly be happening to me. And, you know, I, I thought, no, you know, I, I have all the tools, et cetera, et cetera. So I had to really dig deep and um, look at sleep from a much broader perspective and look at it from the perspective of um, yeah, what, what was happening in my body? What was happening in my body that was stimulating my brain to stay awake? And that was stimulating the kind of the flood of chemicals that's caused when we're overthinking. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely came in sideways. I never kind of set off to become a sleep expert. Um, I was also I was always very interested in anxiety, though, because I suffered with that all of my life. And um, so anxiety would always be something that um, 
that I would have threaded through my work. Um, but when I came to sleep, it, you know, I tied that together with what's known as the kind of the, the psychobiological aspect. So how our biology, our chemistry, our hormones um, affect the way that we think and affect how, and of course, how, how we sleep then. Because if we're, if we're thinking about ourselves in a way that isn't very supportive, so, for instance, if we're, you know, I work a, a lot with uh, with women that are solo entrepreneurs, for instance. So they're doing a lot by themselves. Um, and I know I'm thinking of a client I was working with yesterday and she's a mom, two young kids. Uh, she's also a school teacher. But on top of that, um, she has a counseling practice. So. She literally has about 20 minutes each day for herself. And we're working on, you know, that that part of how the, the part inside of her that both feels that she has to take on all of these roles and wants to be successful. And the reality is, you know, there's so little time in the day for herself. And when we're in that position, our brain kind of goes, hey, I, I can't cope with this. This is too much. And now when I say our brain, I mean our, our emotional brain, our limbic brain, the brain that kind of brings us into overwhelm and stress that is like a red flag saying, hey, I need some attention here. I need some downtime. Uh, but if we refuse that down, downtime, our brain wakes us up in the middle of the night. And says, okay, here's your downtime. <laughs> So um, that's a lot of what I, I'm, I'm working with, and um, I mostly women because it's mostly women that actually suffer with sleep. Interestingly, um, and I, though I do have a few male male clients as well, it's not such a thing for them. They have a very different way of holding it. So it's it's all that how we work with our what we believe about ourselves, what we believe we have to do, uh, what we believe who we should be, and how we try to juggle all of those roles. And then, you know, of course, our our our, our brain is is and our bodies are going to they're they're gonna rebel. They're gonna rebel. So that's the kind of the the broad spectrum of, of what I'm working with. I love that. And you already touched on it, but could you tell us a little bit more about what actually triggers sleeplessness in your experience? Because sleep is becoming such a big topic lately. But often what we see is people focusing on, I don't know, maybe the superficial things like the blue light blockers, wearing blue light glasses and the sleep hygiene or um, making sure that we have evening routine and morning light exposure routine. But I'm sure that there is actually a lot more to it than just these kind of little habits that potentially could help us improve sleep. But I'm sure there is a lot more that, you know, your expertise could help us understand. Mm. Yeah, for sure. It, you know, I think that the sleep hygiene, I think it's useful, but it's, it's, it is, as you say, it is quite surface level. And for some people that will work, you know, so if you have sleep problems for a couple of weeks, that that might be a thing. Or if you're the type of person that's always taking their, their phone to bed, 
you know, because we do know that the, the that the light does give a signal into the brain that kind of says, hey, it's daytime, wake up, get started. So we do know, you know, there's truth to that. Um, but they're not the people that I'm working with. I'm I'm working with the well, as I was naming earlier, that those kind of high achievers, the 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 yeah, the ones that kind of come in that that they don't want to stop. And what we're looking at as is really well, what is that impulse that keeps us on the move all the time? What is that impulse that even though we know we're kind of running like a hamster, something in us it keeps on maintaining all of the roles, maintaining all the to-do lists and 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 just in some way refuses to stop. So we're looking at well what's triggering that? You know, what's what's the underlying anxiety that's that's keeping you in this place? And and usually particularly particularly, you know, if I'm working with professional professional women, professional people, it can often be related to to their work. And if we come back to women again, you know, we, we know, don't we, that um, statistically women have to work a lot harder to prove themselves in, in the workplace. And there isn't the same kind of, um, I guess it's like a cultural support for women in the workplace in the way that there is for men. And um, there isn't the same expectations. So, you know, and, and sometimes that can seem like, oh, yeah, no, it's good. We don't have so much expectations. But the other side of that is, you know, um, we're fed a line of, well, we don't expect you to do very much. So please just stay in, in within your sphere. And I think as women, we kind of revolt against that. We rebel against that. So there is a lot of, I guess, trying to prove ourselves. But that that which means that we often overwork um which means that you know in the overwork where where's the rest time and if there's no rest time you know our cortisol stays high and um if it stays high we go into a kind of a very active brain state and it's impossible then you know to sleep it's impossible even sometimes to sit down and have a cup of tea, you know, and just put our feet up for a few minutes. Um, so it's these drives, these motivations, these need to, um, I, I guess it's like we're, we're all trying to live the, our best lives. And sometimes our best lives is juggling so much that our brain and our nervous system and our body just can't cope anymore. And even though it seems very counterintuitive, um, we we also know from from the research that uh, you know I, I love this research because it really backs up my <laughs> my my ability to rest as well. Is that we can actually only do forty five four to five hours of productive work each day. Anything more than that, it's we're just running kind of an, we're pushing ourselves through. We're running an empty, we're, we're trying to, I suppose we're trying to squeeze ourselves, squeeze something out of ourselves, but the juice is not there and the brain capacity is not there because I, we know our brain capacity drops down as well after those. After actually what is recommended is that after every two hours of productive work that we take about um, a 20 to 30 minute 
air break, a brain break, a body break, a breath break, you know, something like this. And it's been found that people that do this regularly, um, that they maintain the same, what would I say, the same energy, the same capacity to think clearly, to be at ease, you know, not to go into that, what I call the survival, high cortisol state of not being able to rest. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And it also gets me thinking about you know, all the other challenges that you're facing right now with the world being you know, so fast paced, so intensive, that we do live so much more in uh, the fight and flight mode that yeah. we're always riding on a high of adrenaline and all the other hormones that mm -hmm. push us forward to achieve. But mm -hmm. there is a thing that you know you might see on in on social media, kind of we're getting to a point of adrenal burnout and things like that, because we don't have enough time to we don't have the space to get into the calming, the rest and digest kind of system. And I think it will have impact on the sleep as well. So could you tell us a little bit more about you know how this kind of pattern could also influence our sleep and anxiety and health and well-being in general? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think the stress and exhaustion is is a large part of our, as you say, our society, our world right now, um, and has been for a number of years, but it's certainly ramped up, hasn't it? And um, so when we're when we're running, you know, when how would I say it? When we're running on on those kind of adrenaline drives all of the time. Um, it takes quite a few hours for the adrenaline to 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 calm down, you know, to come back to baseline. And we need our adrenaline to be back at baseline and in order to actually to, to be able to sleep uh, because of our of our cortisol, adrenaline, anything like this is high. It's 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 just um, it's so antithetical to sleep, you know. It, because it's the adrenaline, of course, is going to tell us to keep on going. Whereas when we go to sleep, we want a brain that kind of says, ah, you know what? Let, let's just lay back and rest a little bit. You know, and there, there's another really important thing that I'd like to kind of bring in here as well, um, which is one of the main factors in being able to sleep is our ability to feel safe. And in our, what would I say, in our ancestors' world, that used to mean, you know, safe from tigers, lions, whatever we had. You know, we probably didn't have tigers and lions in, in, in Ireland. You would have had in, in South Africa. But um, um, in any case, you know, their, their survival and their need for survival um, was at a very... Uh, they were living in a world where they didn't know where the threat was going to come from. Now, we're living in a world where we don't know where the threat's going to come from in a very, very different way. We're living in a world where, you know, um, businesses and industries that we thought were kind of so secure and so safe are not that anymore. You know, we're looking at kind of the IT sector kind of going a bit skew ways now. 
And that all feeds into, you know, that feeling of unsafety. Looking at the, the war in, in Ukraine also is leading into that. I, I don't feel safe in myself in the same way that we that we may have done in, in earlier years. Um, so that's that's one thing that kind of keeps our brain very, very active, our bodies and our physiology and our hormones very heightened. The other way that we may not feel safe is, for instance, um, well, two things popped into my mind at the same time. So let me go to the, the first one. Um, I'm thinking around work and kind of how, how secure is our work, but also what do our colleagues think of us, for instance? You know, how are we received in the world? How is our work? How is our work received? How is it? I'm going to say the word applauded, but what I mean is, how is it? Um, uh, applauded is too big a word, but but are we given credit for the work that we do? And if I go back to my earlier statement of women having to work so hard, you know that they're working hard for a reason. They're working because somewhere inside of them they're not feeling that their work is being taken as seriously perhaps so we're all you know that that can lead to always looking over our shoulders and again when we're trying to sleep it's it's not conducive for the sleep brain it's not conducive for the brain that kind of drops down from the work mode into the the, the, the sleep mode into the deep rest mode into the dream mode into that restorative mode um and then, you know, another aspect is, and, and this is really actually very important for, again, for women more than it is for men. Um, and it's not that men get away with, uh, you know, uh, with lots of things. They don't get off scot-free hormone-wise. But for women, our most important hormone is oxytocin. So it's this neurotransmitter that gives us the ability to connect, to work with each other, um, to to support each other. Um, we're not living in a world that um, that gives us very much of that, and so therefore, it leads in in women. It actually leads to I think it's forty percent more stress if we don't have enough um, oxytocin in our lives, uh, which is huge. For men, it's the opposite. If they have 40% more oxytocin, they actually get more stressed. So it's, again, the female-male balance. Um, but essentially, you know, we need to be looking at our, our, our sleep time as not just not just in order to be able to to rest but in order for our brains to revive to remember to kind of learn the lessons during the day and if we're going to bed on that cortisol high you know it's it's giving the wrong message to our brains it's giving the message to wake up actually you know you might go to sleep on time but you'll wake up at two o'clock in, in 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 the morning and say what what's wrong i can't go to back to sleep i don't understand it so it really is this kind of um link between the chemicals or, or how would i say it, it because sometimes it almost feels like a battle between the chemicals of adrenaline that keep us on all the time and these nurturing, slowing down kind of chemicals like melatonin, um, oxytocin, 
serotonin, all the ones, dopamine, all the ones that we know allow us to feel to feel good in ourselves and switch that brain on, switch that um, that sleep brain on so that we can fall into into sleep that's that feels good that you know allows us to wake up in the morning and say oh actually yeah I'm, I'm i'm ready i'm ready now i'm ready for another day yeah. you kind of touched on some of the differences that might be between men and women mm. given our different biology and one of the things I've heard before is that men and women do need a little different amounts of sleep, that women probably need a little bit more sleep than men, mainly because of our adrenals, before of how we generate hormones, that the male hormone testosterone is pretty much produced all the time, mm-hmm. that our hormones, especially as they change throughout the cycle, that they get produced mainly when we're in a sleep, in a deep quality sleep. So is this true or is it just pop science that I randomly picked up somewhere? <laughs> well, you know, the, 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 the challenge is, I think, for women, um, we shouldn't actually be living in that, in, in that adrenaline rush. We shouldn't be living in a state where we're even relying on our sleep to be kind of to produce the, the the kind of the calming hormones um so there's there's there you're right in that yes we do have our we do have the our hormonal cycles that take more out of us but if you if you if you think back you know during our hormonal cycles during our periods for instance women were meant to rest that was our rest time that was our switch off time because there was a recognition that, you know, um, that we don't actually have the energy to do the things that we that we might have on our, you know, non-period days, for instance. Um, and you may have heard of, um, and there's quite a following around it, of, of uh, the book called The Red Tent. Have you come across this book? There's a whole women's movement around the red tent. And it really is sharing the practices that nurture women during this time and it used to be you know that that uh, as i say that that women were given this time off that they would have their meals made for them <laughs> when was the last time i don't remember the last time i had a meal made for me um though i have to say i do enjoy cooking but still it's 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 a recognition those times were a recognition that you know um women's bodies really needed to 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 rest, to stay still, to kind of, you know, to come not convalesce in a way, but but to go go under, go down for a couple of days, you know, so that when they come back up, you know, that their their hormones can be that they're full, they're coming back full. We plow on right through, you know, we plow right through that and you know, at the detriment to ourselves. So maybe that's a little bit of what you're referring to as well, Linka. Does that kind of tie in maybe? Yes, it has. Because as you were talking, my brain went to all the commercials that we see around like feminine hygiene products, which tells you like, you go girl, you can go sport and you can be active and you can live, you know, full active life on your period. It really... The media, the capitalism, the companies, they do 
kind of our working cycles, how our working cycles are designed to be, you know, Monday to Friday, week in, week out, exactly the same, that they are designed, again, to follow more of the male hormone mm -hmm. patterns, their preferences rather than to really nourish the women both, you know, in the workplace and mm -hmm. freelancing or running their businesses. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And, you know, um, it, it, it sparks off a little bit of what you were coming in earlier around, you know, men's testosterone levels um, need to be maintained for their biology to stay in, in balance. As women, we do not have that level of testosterone. So we are trying to follow a pattern that's been laid down, you know, by, by, the, by men. And we're trying to kind of fit ourselves in. You know, we really are like, you know, the, the, the round peg in a square hole. Um, and, and we don't have the, how would I say, yeah, we simply do not have the biology to, to sustain this. You know, and, and perhaps that's why I'm finding also more women come to me, you know, because of this recognition that the work that I offer, you know, does help build, build their capacity, not just to cope with stress, but it builds their, their inner reserves and it, it, it builds a way of, of referencing back in that, you know, very nurturing and, and nourishing way. That, that that fills you up, you know, that 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 then leads us into, you know, the, the the being able to sleep because without that, without being full, you know, male or female, we we cannot, we simply cannot do the work that we need to do. And another little piece, you know, if I go back to to something that I that I mentioned earlier around you know, our capacity to, to, to stay sharp and focused, and particularly for women, you know, because we don't have the testosterone drive that will keep the brain sharp and active in, in, in a particular way. Um, if we don't take a rest every two or three hours, it, here's what happens. We go into a very familiar pattern of, of, of overwhelm, you know, because, and of course we go into overwhelm because our reserves have all drained out of us. Uh -huh. we go into the brain fog and the brain fog is you simply can't think anymore but here's why we get the brain fog um, because thinking clearly, having focus it, it takes mental energy and mental energy mental energy will bring us so far until it, until it switches off and what the brain then does is it, it has to, because when we've used a lot of men, mental energy, it uses our metabolism, yeah? And uh, then we have to reset. We have to reset. We have to clear out uh, what gathers in the brain. It's, it's, it's proteins um, and debris that actually literally gather in our brains. And, and these need to be washed out. And the only way that they can be washed out, they're usually washed out during sleep if we're very, very lucky. But they're also washed out when we take a kind of a, a daytime nap. What, so I have very specific daytime naps that I, that I teach people for specific periods of time because you 
take too long a nap and actually you're 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 <laughs> you go into a different state so um i what i teach is a kind of a, a 20 minute power nap and uh the, the, i i take people through a guided guided sequence that specifically helps to switch us from that high you know testosterone brain if you like into the the, the kind of the calming brain where our our, 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 what's known as our executive brain, our frontal brain, uh, begins to pick up the focus once again. So we're 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 wired in very particular ways, and our our brains are just not going to that they. Well, I was going to say they can't cooperate with us. They actually can't. You know, in some ways, we could think of our brain as. Though I don't really like thinking of it as a computer, it still needs downtime, and it needs to get rid of all of that debris so that you can come back refreshed. I like how you've explained this all and and just getting into the almost the nitty gritties of sleep. But one mm -hmm. thing that I was thinking of as you were speaking is quite often there's this element of guilt. Uh, growing up, it was seen, especially like I think it was the 80s and 90s, as if you can cope on two hours sleep and then you go, 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 go you were seen mm -hmm. as being driven, being ambitious and mm -hmm. achieving something. Whereas, mm -hmm. and it could just have been my upbringing, but I doubt it, is if you slept mm -hmm. longer than a certain amount of hours, you were lazy. Oh, you're just being lazy. You need to, you know, buck up. And and then there comes this guilt is, why can't I survive on three hours sleep? Why do I need eight hours where everybody else seems to have, you know, two hours or five hours or six hours and they seem to function, but because I need eight hours, I'm lazy. And this was something that I grew up with. This was something that I just thought there was something wrong with me because I needed more sleep. I, I got introduced to um, Why We Sleep by um, Matthew Walker. And in mm -hmm. there, he, he very much explains about why we need sleep and even what happens as a teenager what happens with sleep patterns and then goes back to when you an adult the, your sleep pattern almost changes and why night shift doesn't work for some people some people can deal with night shift it's just the way their their brains work and reading that book it was like okay, I'm actually okay if I need eight, sometimes nine hours sleep because that's what my body needs. That's what seems to work for me. But then again, as you as you mentioned, we've got the hormones. <laughs> we've got the perimenopause. Me, for me at the moment, it's the perimenopause. It's the waking up during the night. And mm -hmm. so you're having this broken sleep that has an impact. Mm -hmm. But are you finding that there is a lot of, or some of your clients are coming with this this guilt. It's like this guilt. Oh my God, I'm I need too much sleep. Oh, I should be doing this, or mm. I should be doing that. Or if I sleep until eight o'clock in the morning, but I could be up at five o'clock and running and journaling and getting all the stuff ready before the kids go to school. There's almost this need to cram me time into these mm. times. Whereas me time could just be that you sleep until eight o'clock in the morning and forget the run and the breakfast and the children and the ironing and the journaling and the everything else that you're doing. So is mm -hmm. guilt, have you found that guilt is something that has had an impact? 
Yeah, very much so. Very, very much so. Um, you know, and there's layers of guilt, you know, and I think, I think you know, particularly again as women, you know, if if because we are the we are the if we are the ones that are left not just holding our jobs, but are left, you know, we're the ones that are going to be looking after the kids. We're going to be the ones looking at, you know, what's for dinner, for instance. Like that's just how our brain kind of goes. We're always on the looking out for uh, to make sure that everything is is kind of working in order. You know, it's it's more of a, I, I guess women or men have a, a a different way of kind of holding it all. Um, but the guilt thing, you know, if we go back to a, a little of what we were saying earlier, you know, we, we have the, not only are we guilty about not, uh, not being able to survive on so little sleep, we're feeling guilty about not getting done what we need to get done, even though it's a hundred thousand things every day. So, um, but you see this, then, then we have to go a little bit deeper. You know, what, what is it that's kind of, um, that's keeping these guilt patterns alive. And, and it's usually the messages usually from our, our early conditioning, you know, and, and you talked a little bit about growing out in South Africa. It was actually quite different for me as uh, in, in Ireland. Um, but yet, even so, I had a father, for instance, that um, he was always working, you know, and he worked to provide for the family. Um, and as a, as, as a girl in, in my era, as a female, that wasn't the role that was given to me. But here's the thing, growing up with my father, and with her, his work ethic, that seeped into me. So even though it wasn't expected of me, that was the, the the kind of the cultural, how would I say, beliefs in our family is that you work hard. You know, I gave up my pensionable job um, quite some years ago now because I, I couldn't. Actually, I was going to say I couldn't cope with it, but that's not true. It was like something in me knew there was something more. Than the, the kind of the the nine to five, this push, this kind of relentless kind of chores, um, and I remember at the time, my father, my father could not. I mean, he was beyond not being able to understand how could I give up a pensionable job, you know, it was unfathomable. It just wasn't in his, in his capacity to understand because you work hard and that's what you did. But I I, I rebelled against it, but. You, you know, there's still guilt. There's still guilt for 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 doing that. You know, for so I hear you in saying, yeah, if we're not kind of up at five o'clock every morning, you know, we're we're taking the easy way out. But here's the thing: all the all the research, you know, and and there is mountains and mountains and mountains of research that will tell you if you're not getting, you know, between seven and nine hours of sleep a night you're doing a disservice to your capacity to uh, to not just keep yourself well, but to do well in, in your life, to do well in your business, to give what's inside of you, you know, to your family, to your friends. You won't have that. You won't have that juice left over, you know, for for for, for the important things. For what's what's close to us 
So yes, we, we can we can push ourselves and we're so good at that. And this is where the adrenaline drive comes in. We don't even know that we're running on adrenaline. You know, the people I meet, they're 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 they do know that they've been living on the adrenaline for so long. But I want to get to people before they're on in that in that burnout and then that adrenal exhaustion, because it takes so much longer to come out of that. Whereas, you know, if you attend if you take time, you know, to to give ourselves that brain break, to give our body what it needs. Like we, we wouldn't um, we know, for instance, we can go without food for seven days or something. I, I don't know how long it is. Well, I couldn't even imagine going for food without seven days, but we know we can do it for quite a long time without having some side effects. But does anybody I mean, I don't know. Uh, I know of nobody in my life. That would tell me, you know, you're 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 being, you know, you're being really stupid. You're, why are you eating every day? Why are you having breakfast, lunch, and dinner? You know, we we have breakfast, lunch, and dinner to sustain ourselves. We sleep to sustain ourselves. We exercise for exactly the same reason. You know, so it re is very strange that, but again, it's coming back to the culture of always being on. And then, you know, the, the the guilt comes in as as a response to what we've been taught all our lives. And yet something in us knows, no, th this is not working for me. Something is going to catch up, at, 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 you know, sooner rather than later. And for women, it will often, you know, start to kick off late 30s, early 40s, when we're beginning to come into those hormonal changes. You know, and suddenly we have a lot of catch up to do because we've been so busy trying to please everybody else. We're not listening to ourselves. We're not listening to our needs. And again, it's a female thing. We're taught to put others before ourselves. And actually, I notice even as I say that, something in me feels a bit, <laughs> really a bit, a bit mad. It's like, what is this? What is this way of living that, you know, we, we empty ourselves out. We give to everybody. And there's, there's, we end up with not even any enjoyment of the giving. And there should always be enjoyment in the giving. Because, uh, you know, there, there, and there's the burnout. Can you see how the burnout kind of comes then? Yeah. So, yes, but it's, it's to get underneath that. And that's, that's the way that I, I work is to support all of those patterns and to begin to, to understand them. Because when we understand them, you know, the, the, there's there's a there's a, a recognition of oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm doing this because X Y and Z. But we've got to get to that X Y and Z before we do the patterns of of guilt and anxiety. Yeah, but really good, really good question. Yeah. Yes. Something that that um, Matthew Walker talks about in his book, but I've also seen it in in other um, articles, and that is the the lack of sleep and what it does to your sort of cognitive reflexes and just by losing almost I think it's an hour's sleep is mm. like driving intoxicated so if you think right. at, at Christmas time or you know New Year's the police are out breathalyzing everybody but they're not mm. out checking to see how much sleep people are getting so it's not just a 
sort of a you know to your, your own personal health but if you think mm. of all you know taxi drivers lorry drivers or people who have that nine to five monday to friday job fitting everything else in and short on sleep or on the mm. roads driving and one of the questions that often comes up is how many accidents are actually caused through just losing that little bit of sleep so it's not necessarily that you've had two hours sleep and you know you're tired you've just mm -hmm. had an hour less sleep so you might not necessarily feel as tired as you would be but you still don't have that cognitive ability or those reflexes that you would normally have and when I read that I think that sort of for me gave me the permission to you know what girl just sleep as much as you want to sleep because you're on the road a lot and and this was before COVID and everything you know you're on the road a lot don't cause an accident because you just think that you should have less sleep to fit more in and I found that very interesting is we think that lack of sleep might you know, dull our concentration or make us feel hungry or anything, but it can actually have a very negative impact through driving through these accidents that can be caused. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you bring in that, you know, it's not just about kind of taking care of ourselves. It's like taking care of those around us as well. So I, I was loving that you were bringing in that aspect that it's not just about um, well-being for ourselves, but the reality of, you know, um, what happens after, you know, one or two hours less sleep than we need. And yes, we know that it destroys our ability to, to focus and you were bringing in the, 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 the driving. Um, but it, it, you know, the, the, the thing that I find kind of interesting is... Um, and I love that that sleep. Um, what do they call it? That that that. Um, what was the term that you used there? The sleep drunk. That's that's what I call it. That, that that you know you are literally going into into work sleep drunk as well. So yes, driving it has a huge impact on our ability to focus, our ability to um, uh, to make decisions. So you know, particularly if we're working on a team, um, if we're working, you know particularly we're working on on a team that um that needs that kind of very sharp kind of focus is trying to work out distances exactly you can think of like if you know think of builders think of um ordnance surveyors you know people that are working on very detailed um ways of working um that they need they need that that kind of focus i think it's something like a brain our brain's capacity to do the work that we need to do goes down something like uh, between 35 and 40%. Yeah. Um, which means, again, if we're working with a team, there's only half of us there. So we're really kind of pulling on everybody else and kind of dragging down projects and um, our creativity, our, our, our way to think outside of the box gets very limited. And when our ability to kind of think outside of the box, to think of new solutions, you know, to 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 problems, to whatever we're trying to solve, we start to go into survival brain. When we're going into survival brain, we make the worst decisions ever because our logical thinking brain has actually shut down. 
and our language centers actually shut down as well. So our ability to have a kind of a very measured, nuanced, um, relational kind of conversation is no longer there. That's why we go into the, the arguments. That's why we snap, you know, where it's, it's like we're a little bit in, in, in a corner. And, you know, again, we think of the workplace, how that would impact, you know, those that we're working with, what we're bringing in. You know, that that kind of short snappiness, that that kind of inability to to bring the best of ourselves and our solution orientated focus into our work. We're, we're really they're, they're having to pick up the slack for us. Not only are they having to pick up the slack, but they're probably having to pick <laughs> put up with our moods as well and our mood swings and our ability to have those intelligent, those emotionally intelligent conversations you know to, to to sort things through if you're having a difficult day at work and again you know it sends us back into that spiral because we, we know for ourselves you know when we're when we're falling short and and that leads into kind of feeling guilty then we start to try <laughs> to work harder to make up for it you know so it's such a cycle such a cycle yeah Thank you for, for sharing that. And now that we have everybody understanding the consequences, may I use that word, of lack of sleep and the realizing the power of, of having the right amount of sleep and good sleep, do you have mm. any tips or suggestions that, that people can, can do to help them get that better sleep or have that clearer sleep or more gentle sleep whatever it is so do you have sort of a top three or top five tips that you can share just to help our audience to have that sleep or to deal with the guilt and trying not to wake up at three o'clock in the morning thinking oh, I should be doing this I should be doing that and being able to get back to sleep mm -hmm. Yeah, that's um, everybody's favorite question. And sleep is really, really complex. And that's why, you know, from my perspective, I look at, you know, not just the biology, but I look at the, what what's, how would I say, what is stirring the emotional response that keeps us on that treadmill. Um, so, you know, on a very simple level, um, looking at, because I always say like sleep, sleep and our ability to sleep starts from the moment we actually wake up. So very often, for instance, you know, um, when we wake up and I've had to train myself to do this because I, I do love my bed. Uh, but if but I know if I kind of, you know, keep on pressing the <laughs> keep on shutting the alarm off. You know, I do that a number of times and my sleep is going to suffer at nighttime. And because I'm I'm so, how would I say, dedicated to my sleep and um, what I do in the morning. And, and, and this is recommended and you, you'll hear all the sleep experts, other sleep experts talking about this as well. We need to um, let our bodies know that we're moving into a different mode. So to get out of bed to you know even if it's um even if it's dark outside to actually open the curtains to get natural light you know so to 
to begin that sleep journey from the moment that you get up. Um, so that would be one thing that I would say. And, you know, it is said, and this is a sleep hygiene thing, you, you know, it's to get as much light into your eyes in the first 20 minutes of your wake up time. You know, so you're, you're giving that signal to the brain that, okay, we're waking up now so that I can go to sleep. You know, this is the work with the hormones that we're doing, that we're following our, our natural rise of cortisol in the moment, in the morning. Um, because otherwise, if we keep on hitting the snooze um, button, what we'll end up doing actually is, you know, glugging down coffee or sugary donuts or something to wake us up. You know, that's why we, we do that stuff. Um, and, you know, it's, it, it's so we have to kind of recognize the the way that our body works. So that that would be that would be one thing. The other thing, and this is, again, is what I, I work side by side uh, with people for, because it's difficult to kind of set up by yourselves, particularly if you're overtired, particularly if you're in, as you say, in that kind of guilt trap. You know, what I help them do is kind of set up um, a planner during the day. And our planner is not what to do. Our planner is looking for those times that you can that you can take out for yourself yeah but actually scheduling them in and having putting an alarm on your phone that will kind of give you a gentle kind of uh, ring or something that will say oh actually I've done two hours work now it's time to kind of take my my, my nap time and now it doesn't have to be nap in a bed what I do personally um because if I'm sitting at the computer all day, it's so easy. Okay, so my break time has come up and it's like, okay, what's happening on Facebook or whatever, you know? Um, that's such an easy thing to do. So I, I've got to, and, and when I say I've got to, you know, this is a discipline. I've got to stand up, walk to the kettle. And then once I walk to the kettle, maybe I'll take an apple or something, you, you know, maybe I'll take a breath outside the door. But when I've made that break between this computer time and me standing up and getting some fresh air or, or a cup or something, I've, I've begun to break the cycle of me being welded or melded with my computer. So then I might have another 15 minutes left. What, personally, what I like to do is, is, is find some movement because that is the best reset for, for our brains. Um, it's going to take us from the high cortisol, which will keep us moving, which will keep those guilt patterns that you were talking about earlier going. And it will take us down more into um, that, that rest and digest where we're, we're not so constantly fired up. So we have to kind of keep on giving ourselves those signals throughout the day to break the firing of, of those chemicals that want to keep us on. You know, because it's not just other people or our bosses that want to keep us on. It's it's the adrenaline rush and our anxiety that wants to keep us on. So structure in those breaks so that they're actually in your diary and that you have a reminder. Because here's the thing. It's like when it comes to 20 past 11 and you've got something to do. If, if you don't have, you know... <clears throat> an alarm on your phone you'll just simply plow through if you don't have a reminder if you haven't kind of literally put this in the diary you'll just pass it by and then just so that's during the day and then at night time well when I say night time I mean when you finished your work so 
again, I'm kind of, you know, thinking of, I mean, so, so many again, every sleep expert will tell you two hours, one to two hours before you go to bed. It's, it's a little like, you know, um, you, you, do you remember when we were kids or you've got kids and you're putting them to bed? <laughs> How long does it take them to get to bed? You know, because they've got to switch brains. They've got to switch into the sleep mode. We're the same. Like we've got to treat ourselves as as kids almost in that stage because everything in, in us will rebel and want to do more work. So it's like we've got to put ourselves into our jammies, turn down the lights, do the things that kind of soothe and nurture us. Yeah. And um, I, I can hear in the background, you know, people might be listening and saying, well, yeah, but I got to put my kids to bed. Da, 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 da. So here, here's something that I do for 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 those that are putting their kids to bed. It's rather than if they're of their age, of course, you know, I, I did this with my client the other night. She has a six year old daughter. And instead of um, her reading the bedtime story, she has her daughter reading the bedtime story and they're lying in bed together and they're. You know, it, it, it's not that the child is looking after the mother because we don't want that. That's not not a job that you give a child. But it's it's allowing those moments of nurturing, you know, so that you're not the one that's doing all of the time. So, you know, these are ways that you can kind of, you know, think about um, if, if, if you're one of those that say, well, I, I don't have any time. What are you talking about? Um, so there's 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 loads of 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 ways like this, um, and and simply for yourself when you go to bed, uh, you know, find something. Uh, for me, I put on music. I love music. So for the last hour or so, I'll just listen to music. I'll do a little bit of yoga. I've now taken up. Um, I've now taken up. <laughs> I sound like a. I sound like my my grandmother who was a a beautiful um, um, dressmaker, but I I I just take up my coloring pencils. I take up my sewing needles. I take my threads, and I'm just pottering. You know, I'm not doing. I'm allowing my brain to kind of turn over, let it do its thing, and and then it's like ah. Yeah, so it's, it's it's doing an activity that's not going to activate the brain, but that feels soothing. That feels kind of nice. Um, so there there are just some of the suggestions. That's that's what I do. Um, I'll roll around on the floor, do some simple movement at that time of the night. You don't want to be doing exercise or aerobics at that time of the night, for instance. So I, I mean, I have a thousand of other other things to share with you, but you know, just. I'll try and keep it simple. I hope that's simple enough. Yeah, that was very simple and very helpful. I could definitely continue talking with you for hours and hours, but I want to be respectful of your time and the time of our listeners. So to wrap it up, is there something that you were hoping you could share with our listeners? Something that we didn't ask you about that you came into our conversation with like, it would be great if I could get this one message across. Is there something else that you would like to share with our listeners as a closing piece of advice or wisdom? Thank you, Linka. Yeah, well, what pops into my mind is that, you know, sleep is a biological thing. It, it, it should be naturally happening. 
Um, and if it's not, and if it's not medical, um, it means that there's something in our lifestyle that is not supporting our sleep or something in the way in the way that we're that in the way that we're trying to live our lives is not supporting our sleep and it it really pays to examine that you know to to talk with somebody that can support you with that um because otherwise you know it's it's not i think what i'm trying to say is that because it's biological it's it, it doesn't mean even if you haven't been sleeping for years even if you sleep, even if you think that you can only sleep, you know, with sleeping tablets, it, it doesn't mean that you that sleep, because usually when we're not sleeping, we think we're the only ones that can't sleep and that there's something wrong with me. Uh, but uh, what I want to say is there's nothing wrong with you. It's just you're giving signals into the brain that are, are, are not sleep conducive. And if you can, you know, do a little bit of... of um, looking under the hood, as it were, to 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 support yourself, to, to give yourself those sleep messages. And that's when your sleep starts to come around again. Thank you so much. Um, could you tell our listeners where they could find you online? Maybe they want to reach out and work with you. Maybe they want to see you know, if you have any helpful resources, they want to follow you and learn more from you, um, where could people go online and find you? And we'll also add those links then into the footnotes of the episode. Mm, that would be wonderful. So my website um, is called untyingthenots.ie. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's the best place to find me um it's it's under it's it's under construction at the moment but you will find me on my old website anyway and uh, but that's that's probably possibly the best place to find me i'm i'm a little bit of a social media what would i say squirrel i kind of pop up every now and again but you know i'm, I'm not very visible on it um but i do i mean i regularly do kind of workshops around the place and um i do different talks and things so uh so I guess, yeah, just to go onto my website would be the, 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 the best place. And perhaps in the show notes, we could put in a, a, a Gmail. And I would actually love to offer your your, your listeners a, a resource um, that um, that maybe we can put into the into the into the show notes so that they can kind of follow and see and, and practice a little bit just to give them a, a, a little start. No, that would be great. It would be wonderful. Yes, we will do that. So thank you so much, Dira, for your time. And thank you so much, our listeners, for taking this time to you know, learn a little bit more about sleep and how we can improve our sleep and how we look into what's happening in all our biology and our lifestyle. So thank you, everyone, and see you at the next one. If you enjoyed listening to our conversation, please share it with your friends and colleagues and don't forget to subscribe. We would love it if you could give us a five-star rating and write a short review.